Hi, friends. Before we dive into today's episode, I wanted to let you know that if you like what we talk about here on the Belonging Podcast, I think you'll really love my book. It's called Root and Ritual, Timeless Ways to Connect to Land, Lineage, Community, and the Self. And it is available right now wherever books are sold. It is a beautifully illustrated guide to connecting with the earth, your ancestors, and your communities as you come home to your whole self. Though we live in a radically different looking world, the needs of our bodies and spirits are the same as the ancestors we come from. I divide this book into four parts, land, lineage, community, and self, and I take you on a journey for engaging more deeply with your life. I provide stories from my own life and I share rituals, recipes, and ancestral wisdom, journal prompts to support you on your individual and unique and sacred path. You can get more info and bonuses at rootandritualbook.com and pick it up at your favorite bookstore online or in person. Thanks for all your support. It means the world to me. I'm Becca Piastrelli, and this is Belonging, where I talk about what it means to belong to the earth, to yourself, to your ancestors, and in community. there. So today I am talking about adult friendships and how to cultivate them, why they're so dang hard to create and maintain. And this is another commonly asked question, a topic that circulates in my spaces quite a bit. And I have a section of my book, Root and Ritual, in the community section, I have an area, a chapter devoted to that, to just that, to meaningful community, particularly as it pertains to friendship. So let's just state the facts here. It's harder to make and maintain friends in adulthood than it was when we were younger. And there are many factors around that. I'd say the number one factor is time as annoying as it is for me to say, like, I don't have as much space in my days to devote to friendship as I used to. And especially now that I'm a mother, it's more for me, a question of like making sure the child is tended to and minded so that I have space to connect or connections are made with the babies in tow, which is something I'm figuring out as like a little hack to feeling like I never have time for friends. It's like, well, my child comes with me, but I can talk about that later. I think even if you don't have children, there is a sense of life being something we need to, the churn of life being something that we need to keep up with, right? Like there's bills to be paid and groceries to be shopped for and put away and like houses to tend to and jobs to be done. And it's just like very interesting how so many of us drop the friendship piece. Is that true for you? It's, 
it's something, it's like one of my, I have come to the conclusion, I think early on in my life than maybe others, I don't know if that's true actually, that friendship is very valuable to me. Like connection is very, very valuable to me. And I identify as an extrovert. So I'm not one of those people who are many of my friends and people I talk to in this community who's like, I'm happier alone. I, if, I mean, I actually am, am recording this after like a six day COVID quarantine, which blessedly none of us got, but we had to quarantine because we were exposed. And it was six days of isolation. And I mean, yes, I have texting and social media, but that to me is counterfeit connection. It's something, but it's definitely not deeper connection that I need by seeing people or even talking to them on the phone, that resonance. And I've, I've wilted. (laughs) I need, I need people in my life. We are communal beings. Our wholeness is rooted in our interconnection. That doesn't mean to say it's wrong to need alone time, but it is important in a part of our thriving, like a piece of the pie, you know, just as much as like water, like hydration, just as much as eating, just as much as body movement, just as much as sleep is connection with others in a way that is meaningful. So here's the other thing that people come and ask me about has to do with feeling like they've been burned in the past. That's an interesting use of that term, burned thinking about the burning times here, uh, which is a root of a lot of particularly women turning against each other. But in the modern day sense of feeling um, like you can't trust other people. I even have someone close to me who said, I'm not a village kind of person. And when I dug deeper with her, she was like, yeah, everyone's failed me. I've just had so many moments of um, being forgotten, being dropped, being betrayed that no, I just... I've learned not to trust people. And I'm even married to someone who often thinks that. Like, I really have to bring him into this place of like pulling him out of individualism and into this place of we are interdependent creatures. And it's okay that that feels a little bit nervous making, but that is a part of this. So, this is my whole thesis here, which is we need meaningful friendships and connections in our lives. And It's hard, not just because we're busy, but because it hasn't been modeled for us in our society in a way that makes us feel trust in our ability to do it. So how, what do I mean by that? It could have been how like a parent had relationships. I hear so many stories of like, well, my mom, like her, it was like nasty back talk gossip culture, like just really showed me that like, I can't really trust women. Or um, I just look at reality television. I'm sure I've shared this on the podcast before. Like I just look at The Bachelor. I really love watching these shows, particularly the Real Housewives franchise on Bravo that shows women who are, quote, friends being nasty to each other. I've decided it's, it's, it's shadow work. It's me and shadow work because I'm very interested. I'm very interested in how we can heal some call the sisterhood wound, this sense that we cannot trust each other, that we cannot hold each other's confidences sacred, that we cannot actually be in a meaningful relationship with each other that helps each other grow. So my own story is I was 
I did the thing. I did the thing that was modeled for me. I mean, I had really great friendships. I betrayed. I was betrayed against. Uh, I often say I was the perp. I was perpetrated against, and I was the perpetrator. Like I tried on the bully. I, I told someone's secret that wasn't mine to tell. I had my secret told. I've had like the whole. I've had all the versions of that negative experience of friendship. And I, what I've realized is I've had to humble myself to. Oh, I need to learn how to be a friend. I need to learn how to be a friend, and um, that meant learning how to listen. So in the book, I talk about this practice of fertile listening, and I've talked about it on episodes before here, especially when it comes to my women's circle or for people who want to start women's circles, is this idea of witnessing. And fertile listening is really, in a sense, witnessing, which is emptying yourself of any preconception, any notion of how you are going to appear or show up to whatever this person you are listening to is saying right? Because that's making it about you. If they cry, I'll hand them a tissue or I'll rub their leg. I'm not saying that's bad, but I'm saying this notion that how do you look to them is more important than what they are saying and experiencing. Or having the best piece of advice or most comforting metaphor to share, particularly if someone is experiencing discomfort, snot and tears are running down their face, to be able to see them as the hero of their own journey, to be able to see them as whole and complete, even when they're in struggle. It's hard. It's still hard for me today. I catch myself slipping, listening to people who are friends, beloved ones who are in struggle and just reminding myself to say, I hear you. I'm so sorry you're going through that. I'm, I'm, I'm here for you. So that is a practice. I share more in the book and uh, invite you into, which is uh, particularly if you have relationships right now that don't feel meaningful, that maybe feel a little toxic. Another thing I, I like to share, I share in the book and I like to share out is I often get people who say, I need new friends. I need new friends because the ones I have aren't like-minded. They don't understand me. They're not embracing the way I'm growing and changing. They're toxic. And so, yes, sometimes friendships need to complete, of course, but don't count out the fact that all of us are learning and changing and growing and would love the opportunity to do it with friends that we already have. Like I really made a conscious effort in, in several of my friendships from long ago to shift it from like drinking wine and talking shit about the other women who weren't there. One that was really quite critical and negative to having conversations that were about here, really hearing what we're each going through, celebrating each other. And it's like, it's really memed about these, these days, like lift each other up, fix your, each other's crown. And it's like, yes. And if we can admit that healthy relating as it can be called is like, we're just like, baby deer on wobbly legs, so many of us, that it takes time and patience. And sometimes we're going to have like negative patterns in there, particularly with folks that I, I hear this a lot. Like when I go home for the holidays and I'm with my college friends, all of a sudden I revert to my college self. Or when I'm with family, I become like my most unhealed uh, child self. And it's like, okay, let's just give each other a little grace here. Because repatterning these behaviors takes time. 
And I, I mentioned, you know, ancient roots of mistrust, women's mistrust of each other earlier when I talked about being burned. Like, this is something I learned a few years ago that really helped me understand, particularly the fear of trusting other women, which is look up the burning times in Europe, which extended far beyond Europe, the the colonizing continent. It extended all over and, and continues in many places to this day, which was a brutal several hundred year campaign against mostly women, also members of the queer community, their allies. And it was, you know, in the, in using, co-opting the term witch to really remove the power center of communities, which were women, women with knowledge, was women who know how knew how to heal, women who knew how to birth, women who knew contraception, women who owned land, who had power, who were respected and revered. And it was really just terror, right? Mass murder. And what was encouraged and what ended up happening for so many communities is in order to save yourself, you would name your neighbor. You would name the woman next door. So think about the, if we know, we know about epigenetics, these traumas are passed down through our DNA. Think about the ramifications of that. The fact that we had, we had to turn on each other in order to survive. It's actually a pretty big deal. And that has continued in so many ways in so many forms, just like the histories of war and violence and oppression that have had us turn away from each other. I mean, there was a time in recent human history where it was illegal and dangerous for women to gather together. That's what our women, my women's circle that I'm a part of always reminds each other at the end of every circle when we sing this beautiful song we learned is to be able to gather together even on Zoom is, you know, a special and sacred thing. And it's okay to be a little scared and a little bit, quote, bad at it. I think another thing that can be challenging in adult friendships is, is, is this idea of when you grow, like life experiences diverge. I'm experiencing this now of being now a mother and trying to maintain connection with my friends who are not yet or will never be mothers. And I see so easily we can just gravitate to circles of sameness. We can go into the corner with the people who have our lived experiences, which is healing. I needed and need to be in spaces with fellow mothers, with babies around the same age as Atlas. Um, I do Pilates and yoga with these women, and, and, and there is a deep sisterhood, kinship in us being together and sharing these experiences. It's very helpful, particularly because we're all pandemic mothers who were told we couldn't be around anyone. It was really, really difficult. And a healthy village is one that is diversified. A healthy ecosystem is one that is diversified. And so I just dream of spaces where, you know, I can be there breastfeeding my child and elders are next to me and grandmothers and um, aunties and folks who have chosen not to have babies. And every single experience of life is there so that I can feel, this is the one of the things I've experienced in motherhood is just feeling really alone and isolated and people just sort of waiting for me to like get my life together again so we can like hang out again. 
And in a really, in, when I'm in really dark places, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm alone. And then when I'm in a place of just having energy and resources, I speak up and say, hey, this isn't going to work for me. And I need your support. How many times have I heard my friends who don't have children say like, oh, I just need to know what you need. And I'm just like, I'm so mad that you don't know already, but that's not fair to you. So I'm going to tell you. I went to a community gathering for Beltane this last May where we all traveled there. And I was the only mother with a child there. And I, I really struggled. I needed to be mothered myself. Every time the baby had to nap, I'd go alone into a tent. And they all told me later, they thought it was beautiful that I was taking what I needed. And I was like, oh, I just felt like othered. I just felt so alone in that experience. And I just wish someone had come with me or they had created a room for me or there was a way I could really feel welcome there. And and it was a conversation. It's an ongoing conversation in my community of like, oh, okay, like we need more information. We need you to just like be more comfortable taking up space. And it's been a powerful experience for me to be establishing with friends who I love, who I was just such a maiden with to be like, I want this friendship to continue and deepen. And I need you to know where I'm at right now. And to be available for other friends who say the same thing to me including, I need more from you. I'm not getting what I need. Or that hurt me. That hurt me when you didn't see what I needed. So the importance of disclosure and agreements are big, are big in adult friendships. So it's one thing to be like, I like hanging out with you, but it's another to be like, I want to go deep with you. And so here's some things you need to know about me. Like when I feel really vulnerable, I tend to isolate and hide or when I have a lot of work to do, I tend to get a little prickly. Or when I bleed every month, uh, I can get really paranoid. When I'm not invited to the party, it's my deepest wound of rejection. You know, these things that we can share with each other, so we, so we have more compassion for each other. And then agreements. Agreements of, I mean, that can be anything, but here's an example of, I agree to tell the truth of what I'm experiencing in every moment. I agree to do my hardest to really listen to you. And I agree that if I get the urge to bolt, I say something. And we don't always, we don't always keep our agreements, but an agreement field between friends establishes a devotion and a commitment and permission to speak these things out. Because just like affinity and having fun only takes you so far. At some point in a relationship, we all know this, there's a trigger, there's a wound, there's um, a conflict. And for those of us who are conflict averse, we could be like, we're just going to like ghost them or not bring it up and try to swallow it and just get happy again and have fun again, have another girl's night. It's fine, fine, fine. But that over time, that stuff eats away at us. And we live in a culture that's really like into ghosting right now. You know, the like not responding to text messages thing, which drives me crazy. And then I realize I've been doing that because I've been so overwhelmed. I'm interested in how I can be better at responding to everyone, or at least here's an agreement I can share, disclose. I'm not going to be good at responding to text messages. Please keep texting me. <laughs> There's one right there. But yeah, we are in a culture where we're just like kind of apathetic and avoidant. And yet we all have these tender hearts that want deeper connection. So 
yeah, how to cultivate adult friendships. I mean, it takes some guts. It takes some digging deep. It takes carving time and resources out of your life to not make it an afterthought, a reactive afterthought. Like if you're the person who's asking me this, or you're someone who would ask me this, like it's clearly a value. Like community is a piece of the pie. So carve out space. It can even be micro space, but that energetic carving out for connection is like assigned to your soul, assigned to the universe, whatever you want to say, a promise you're making to yourself that will make it more real and important as opposed to a casual thing that this is a devotional practice I'm in, which is friendship. Oh, and I have one more thing to say. A lot of us are keeping up with our friends by watching their social media, which is really great. I have a lot of friends who follow me on social media just so they can see videos and pictures of my child. And it really irks me when they text me and say like, it seems like life is going great for you. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, you're watching the highlight reel. You're watching the best of it. And so just remember social media is false perception. Not that we're lying. Maybe some of us are, but there's just like a natural thing of wanting to share the best of things, or it can be also a little vulnerability porn, which is a term I'm like, oh yeah, there's that too. But mostly we're sharing the highlight reel. And what that does in our brain is convince us of things that aren't true. Like, did you know that our brain cannot actually parse? Like if we are scrolling through a feed and we're seeing all these like vacations and babies and engagements and joyful picnics and apple picking or whatever it is, our brain can't be like, those are individual people who had one individual experience they shared. Our brain thinks everyone is doing all the cool shit. That's literally, because I remember our brains are primal ancient things. They aren't built for these times. Our brains were not created for this technology, even just like the social media feed. And so try to keep that in mind when you scroll. And also check in with your friends in a deeper way. And I don't know, I like to say to all my friends, like I don't say Instagram is a lie, but I say like that is just like 10% of what's going on with me. So check in with me in deeper ways. And I check in with them in deeper ways. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that feels really important. Oh, someone wrote me and said, I just moved to a new town. How do I make friends? Where are all the witchy cool people in my town? And all I can say is you got to put yourself out there and it's probably not going to come easily. But I think when you make yourself available for connection, this has happened to me. I've moved several times in the last 15 years, and I've always been able to find really cool, interesting people. And they aren't always who I think they'll be, look like, I think they'll look like, do the things I think they'll do. But I've opened myself up to, I want this, I'm calling this in. So I think it's a little bit of putting yourself out there, right? Like going to, I don't know what's, what you're comfortable doing in these times, but like going to the yoga class or the thing in the park or the community gathering or the activist gathering, the farmer's market. And 
it's not like standing on the corner being like, who wants to be my friend, but just being open and available. There is nothing better than complimenting a stranger. You know, that's, that's like a tactic I share in the book and has been so helpful to me. Genuinely, gen, that's so important. Genuinely complimenting someone and not just on their body, P.S. Or maybe just don't do their body because that can be problematic. But yeah, like, where did you get that woven basket? Wow, like, that's just such a vibrant, gorgeous skirt. Or, wow, that's so interesting. You know all those things. How did you learn that? That's just so cool. And just see what comes to you. There's a way you can magnetize to you that which you're looking for. Because remember, it's not like everyone has all their own friends and they're fine and they're good and they're not interested in that stuff. And everyone's hanging out without you. And no, there is a crisis of disconnection in our world. And so many people are writing into me saying, I live in this town where there's no, there's no deep women. There's no women who are interested in spirituality. There's no women who are interested in plants and tea. And I'm like, that's not true. Probably. They may not just not like dress the way you think they do or look the way you think they do, but they're available. So it takes a little guts, takes a little devotion, takes a lot of intention. It's definitely possible. And we're in like a new world, right? We're emerging from this pandemic situation. And I think there's a lot of opportunity in that. So be open to it. And I guess a lot of people do well in like affinity groups and like Facebook groups and stuff, but I'm just like not down with that. So that has worked for some people. I can't say that it has worked for me. I'm an in-person kind of gal. I got to say that. So I hope that's helpful. I'd actually love to hear more from you about your opinions and feelings of what's worked for you around cultivating meaningful adult friendships. I... I think if you can be, if you have that energy in you to gather the people, that's what we're all looking for, right? Like supper clubs, um, harvest exchanges, clothing exchanges, full moon ceremonies, new moon ceremonies, um, seed exchanges, a lot of exchanges. People love an exchange, you know, herb walks, night hikes to watch the full moon, like sewing in the park, a mending party. If you are someone who's interested in hosting something, that is the thing. That is the thing. So consider this your little nudge to get something started. And again, I'd love to hear from you what's worked for you. Best place to tell me that is Instagram on the episode post for this episode. So I wish you courage in your connections and tenderness in your healing from connections that hurt. And let's gather again. Let's gather again and go deeper together. Lots of love. See you soon. Thank you so much for joining me. I know your time is sacred and the fact that you spent it with me talking about belonging means a lot. If you want to access show notes or links to old episodes, check out belongingpodcast.com. And if you know a friend who could really benefit from listening to this episode, share it with them. I'll talk to you soon.